0: money starts right now live from the nasdaq market Site, overlooking new york city's times square i'm melissa lear traders on the desk are pete and tim seymour dan nathan and guy adami tonight on fast pot and crypto need i say more pot stocks are lit as america's love affair oh, with the no. marijuana trade grows and her really? own cannabis <laughs> king why not tim seymour <laughs> will weed out which names you can still buy and which you should just say no to mm. plus Bitcoin above 7,000 as the shorts seem to be waving the white flag. Could this be the bottom the crypto world has been waiting for? Michael Morrow, CEO of crypto trading firm Genesis Global, will be here to tell us why Bitcoin 10K could be next. But first, we start off with the king of the jungle, Amazon. Hitting an all-time high today after Morgan Stanley said it could be the next trillion-dollar stock. Amazon shares now up more than 130,000% since its IPO back in 97 and sporting a cool $974 billion market cap. Get this, if you invested 1,000 when the company went public 21 years ago, you'd be more than $1 million richer today. Not bad for a company that started out selling only books. How much bigger can Amazon get and is it the must-own stock of the market now? Guy. Hi, Mel. Hi, Guy.
1: Hi, Simba. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love the li- is that's no, the Lion King right Lion King. My King. favorite Here's was Simba. the scar guy he had a scar That's nice he was the mean guy for I yeah. really don't He was the antagonist of the not show Not care nice. <laughs> Can you still own Amazon Yeah and that, this is Amazon that's is one cool. name we really haven't wavered on on this desk and one of the things I've said all along it's not about really any of the standard numbers EPS revenue by the way they actually missed last quarter on revenue To me it's all about operating margins. And you go back last quarter, operating margins came in at like 5.5%. The street was looking for about half of that. Why do I bring that up? Because Morgan Stanley in their piece today cited exactly that, that they're getting the higher margin businesses, which is why they have a $2,500 price target. I don't think a billion dollars is a finish line. A trillion is a finish line in terms of market cap. It's sort of a mile marker. We said that about Apple. I'll say this something about Amazon. But
0: is it must own? And, and we ask that in, in the sense that if you, bet, if you believe the markets are going to go higher, do you have to, in effect, be invested in Amazon? Do you have to believe in Amazon as well?
2: Uh, well, you do at this point. I mean, it makes a huge part of the NASDAQ. It obviously is a big part of the S&P 500. I think it's important to remember this is a stock that's up 70% of the year. You know, So we're talking about 2,000. It's a nice round number here, but it's up 70% of the year. When you talk about that higher margin business, it's not the bulk of their expected $230 billion in sales. Um, so to me, I, I think at some point this wrecking ball, I think we spent a lot of time in 2017 calling Amazon on a wrecking ball for retail, and it really had a tough time. Retail had a tough time. At least the stocks did the way investors were perceiving it. Um, at some point, it really is going to be a zero-sum game, in my opinion, for the rest of retailers. Really? Not just because the stocks have come back. You know, does it mean that they're back. I mean, at some point, think about all these major um, department stores. They're not growing sales anymore. And the ones that you really like, like the TJ and stuff like that, they're only growing at single digits. And Amazon is skipping its sales uh, up 20, 30 percent a year.
0: Look at that chart of the XRT. That's a nice-looking chart. I mean it's close to highs here, Tim. I mean, are we maybe in a situation where retailers and Amazon can be happy together. Sure you can,
3: and and if you look at the last year, Dan talked about how much Amazon has outperformed. If you own the triple Q's, XRT has outperformed triple Q's by a thousand basis points, that's right, over the last year. And I, you know, what is Amazon? Let's not get totally existential here, but (laughs) is it a retail stock? Is it a tech stock? Is is it a a consumer staple stock? I mean, to me, the most aggressive moves that Amazon has made have really been into this trillion and a half dollar consumer staples, consumable space where they're competing with Walmart, with Target, with Kroger, um, with a lot of you know, mom-and-pop stores. And, and, again, it's a low-margin business. That, to me, is where the disruption lies. I think a lot of the rest of their business, um, uh, there's plenty of room for competition, and I think other people are competing.
4: I view Amazon as a tech company, and the reason I say that is AWS. That's where the margins are, right? I mean, when we look at this company, when you look at the e-commerce side of it, it is not a margin business. You, you just talked about that as well. I think that there, there, are, there are groups out there that absolutely can compete. TJX has not been forced into a position yet to have to compete with Amazon at this point in time. They're building Dan their put e- you on the defensive, didn't he? The, what's that? Dan put you on the defensive a little bit. Well, when, I, when a, I think about TJX in. and all it does is go to higher highs every single week, I mean, it's not Today. the e-commerce side of the business, though. That's something they're building on, but that's really not what TJX is all about. It's the fact that people are, are wanting to go there for those discounts, those treasures as hunt. everybody. Yeah. It's the hunt, right? But, but the targets of the world, the Walmarts of the world, I think have found a way now to compete and compete very well and win at the game of the online side of it and the bricks and mortar side, which Amazon really doesn't have. They've bought into it somewhat, but they don't have the bricks and mortar side, which is something they're gonna build. But that's why I say it's a tech company because it's a tech company all because of AWS. Couldn't that
2: be the next wave? Let's bring it back to retail for a second. Let's not forget Toys R Us, which employed 30,000 people here in America, you know, just filed for bankruptcy. They're closing all their stores. It doesn't exist anymore. It went poof, right? And so maybe the Target, the Walmart and the Amazon Absorbed a lot of those kind of sales, and they were already nipping on the heels. I just worry that as Amazon goes with that barbell approach, this omnichannel approach, it's going to start having a really deep effect. Again, do we need Macy's? Do we need Nordstroms? Do we need Dillard's? Yes, do we, need we, do. Okay, we do. Of course we do. I, maybe we, we don't. I, I just don't know. So you, you would have thought that, especially re- retailer like Toys R Us, would have had a place in this world, wouldn't you? The in-store
3: no. experience has been proven to be necessary, whether you're in home improvement or whether you're in department stores. Uh-huh. And the other thing I want to say is, Toys R Us is out of business because Toys R Us was poorly run. Yeah. Toys R Us did a terrible job transitioning. They did a terrible job with inventory. They did a terrible job of understanding where the toy world was going, which was digital as well. So uh, I think a lot of the retailers are better because they've gotten on their game. Look what Macy's has done with inventory, with their online presence, with their digital, with their in-store experience, where they've gotten lean and mean. And and I think it's a harder place now for Amazon to just steal their business.
0: Here's a question, though. I mean, if if retailers are actually putting up a pretty good fight, right, and it looks like, according to their stocks at least, they have been recently, does that mean that that Amazon has a, a, a tougher time?
4: I think it may Does retailer.
0: Retail have to go down in order for Amazon to be up in some from respects. From the
4: retail perspective, I think that's becoming a better fight. Uh, I don't know it makes necessarily Amazon a, a hard time, but it's a better fight. And and because of that fight, they have to make AWS the real winner for them, and they are. But I'll bring up Microsoft. Why? Because they're in the cloud. They yep. compete. They've actually been slowly getting some market share away from Amazon. And oh by the way, you bring up Toys R Us to talk about gaming. That's yes. another aspect of Microsoft as well that gets forgotten, but the amount of money they make on the gaming side game as well. well wait, yeah. wait a, a minute, this yep. sounds
0: like you're. Would you rathering yourself? Pete? Oh, what I would. Would you rather? <laughs> we know about
4: Pete. And I would rather Amazon as well.
0: or Microsoft, and you'd rather
4: <laughs> Microsoft. I own Microsoft, and here's why. The one difference I'll say real quick, and then, Guy, I'm, I want you to get in there. But Amazon, right now, I look at the PE, even with the AWS, everything else. You know what? it's really difficult to say, you know what, I, I can buy this and feel comfortable going to bed at night because I don't think you can. It's been a great buy for all those who've jumped in. But I'll tell you what, when you look at the P.E. right now and you look over at Microsoft and it's trading at a, a fifth of what the P.E. is for Amazon, it's pretty unbelievable.
1: I'll play the game. I mean, I'm probably right with Pete on the Microsoft front, but I'll say this real quick. Maybe Amazon over the last five years has forced these operators, these other retailers, to get better. And yes. you point to... Target's a great example, and we've talked about Target now for a while. Ever since they, the the whole when they, their breach of security, I think that's four or five years ago if you recall, that stock has actually been on fire, and it's probably trading around all-time highs. And valuation wise, we talked about it last night. If you like Walmart where it's trading, you gotta like Target where it's trading. So I would push back and say, maybe Amazon has raised the game of a lot of these. You retailers. can like
0: both as a
3: bottom line. I think so, and, and it's proven to be true. Well, my, my would-you-rather, first of all, is just I love to, the self-rather self the
0: the I, I, I I about
3: a, a, a data center as being a tech company or I'd rather talk about really what's helping the consumer. I'd rather point out that I don't think that data center, I think it's a very commoditized, competitive business that at some point I think margins are going to go down rapidly. Um, I think the best thing that's going on for Target and the retailers is that the consumer truly never has been better. We've been talking about this for a long time. People are happy in their jobs. We have these record uh, job uh, kind of uh, possibilities popularity uh, reference points. We have certainly higher wages. We certainly have uh, a 3.8 percent unemployment rate. That to me is why the consumer and the consumer discretionary plays and even Amazon are kicking
0: it. I'm going to ask an open-ended question. (laughs) None of this would you rather two choices. (laughs) Open-ended. I'm going to pose it to you, Dan, so be on your toes. What is the must-own stock of the market? We're asking if Amazon is the must-own stock. What is, in your view, the the must-own stock?
2: Tough question. We didn't rehearse this one. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> tough question. This like is we rehearsed tough, a Not this a yes the or no. Answer, I gave pal, it to Dan because, because I had full faith in him. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, listen, I, I think I just brought it out a little bit. So we're talking mm-hmm. about Amazon a year ago was really struggling with getting through 1,000, and now here we're talking about it at 2,000. Two, yeah. And I think that's been a big part of this uh, market story over the last year. So I'll just make this point, and I've made this point a couple times, that if we got through after the six, seven month consolidation in the the market, there's a chance that we go straight up. That's happening right now. And so to me, I don't think you want to bet on the horses that got you here. You guys have all done a great job on this, talking about these different rotations. You know, I've been pointing out, oh, well, the semiconductors haven't participated. Some of these cyclical things haven't. And they're starting to a little bit right now. So I think if you get confirmation by semis new highs, bank new highs, that sort of thing, the S&P is going to go to a lot of these guys' targets that are 3,100. And I'm not certain betting on Amazon at 2,000 up 100% in a year is the way to get there. I would, it would say care. the must-own own
4: stock them. is absolutely Apple. I know that's an easy answer, but when you look at what Apple is, and it was the first trillion-dollar company, and why is that? Because also they record have high today. so many different business models that are working within what's going on there. And it's it's a hardware company. Yeah, they got the phone and everything else. But as they've spread out and they've started to grow those other areas, wearables and services and the rest, this is a company that's much more diverse, and because of that, and look at where it trades, PE-wise, look at their cash position. This is a company that I think is the battleship.
0: What is the must-own, in your view?
4: Well, so I don't want to steal Pete's thunder, but I, I agree,
3: again, Apple, technology, stock, consumer products. Well, how about J.P. Morgan? Again, if the economy's doing all this, if the consumer's so, so strong, is if they're under, the absolutely, based upon the valuation and where they are and how well-run this company is, having transitioned through a difficult time for the whole sector, J.P. Morgan. I'll you give you get... three real quick, because I have you really? to about. No, I'm going to go fast. Okay. Pfizer
1: because I think healthcare is underappreciated. I think valuations are compelling. Home Depot's been that name now wow. for a decade on this desk. Uh-huh. And Boeing, I think, is underappreciated. I think the valuation is so
3: a total hedge. Total hedge. Not even really fair. Is. Is. But I the mean...
0: interesting thing is that nobody named Amazon.
3: Right, right. We well,
0: started the show with it. <laughs> can I, can I, listen, I,
3: I well, got put <laughs> yeah, off guard. Last
2: I agree with this JP Morgan. That's the muscle really? the stock. If it Even if out, the cheese spread eyes, is like
1: 20? Yes, that's
2: the one. All right. What are
1: you
0: eating, Tim? Uh, For more on Amazon's Amazing Run, (laughs) head to tradingnation.cnbc.com. Find out why one technician is calling for a pullback. Coming up on Fast, more trouble for Tesla. The stock in reverse today after Chinese rival Neo plans uh, a $1.3 billion U.S. IPO. We've got a special report. Plus, Bitcoin breaking above 7,000 this week as shorts against Bitcoin futures hit a record low. Could this mark the crypto bottom? And later, pot stocks, they're lit. Tilray, Kronos, Canopy, and the rest of the cannabis space on a high and showing no signs wow. of coming down. But before you buy, Tim Seymour says there are three things you need to know. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Much more fast money. Still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got news out of Washington. President Trump tweeting about Google moments ago. Let's get to Eamon Javers at the White House for more on this developing story. Eamon.
5: Melissa, that's right, President Trump, just within the past couple of minutes, attacking one of the nation's most high-profile technology companies, Google. The president posting this video to his Twitter account, uh, explaining that he believes that Google is guilty of bias against him because it promoted President Obama's State of the Union address On its homepage back during the Obama presidency, on the days that the president uh, gave that State of the Union speech. But then, uh, once the president took office, President Trump took office, Google stopped promoting the State of the Union address live on its homepage on those particular days. I can tell you that uh, we don't have any comment. FROM THE WHITE HOUSE RIGHT NOW AS TO WHERE THIS VIDEO CAME FROM, WHO PUT IT TOGETHER. IT'S AN EDITED AND WELL-PRODUCED VIDEO. Uh, BUT CNBC'S TEAM uh, BACK AT CNBC GLOBAL HEADQUARTERS HAS GONE BACK AND LOOKED AT THOSE DATES AND CONFIRMED THAT, IN FACT, THERE WERE PROMOTIONS FOR THE OBAMA STATE OF THE UNIONS ON THOSE DATES AND NOT ON THE DATES IN WHICH the uh, PRESIDENT TRUMP gave state-of-the-union speeches, but we don't know exactly uh, why Google changed its practice here. I, I've asked the White House whether or not they reached out to Google before the president attacked the company on Twitter just a few minutes ago. Uh, no answer to that question, no answer to, to who put this together, uh, and, and no real answer uh, as to what else we can expect in terms of the president's campaign against Google. Let me play you a soundbite here. This is the president earlier today talking about Google, continuing his critique about them, THAT HE'S BEEN MAKING THROUGHOUT THE WEEK. HERE'S THE PRESIDENT SPEAKING EARLIER TODAY AT THE WHITE HOUSE.
4: Well, I THINK THAT GOOGLE AND FACEBOOK AND TWITTER, I THINK THEY TREAT CONSERVATIVES AND REPUBLICANS VERY UNFAIRLY. AND I THINK IT'S A VERY SERIOUS PROBLEM, BECAUSE THEY'RE REALLY TRYING TO SILENCE A VERY LARGE PART OF THIS COUNTRY. AND THOSE PEOPLE DON'T WANT TO BE SILENCED. IT'S NOT RIGHT. IT'S NOT FAIR. IT MAY NOT BE LEGAL, BUT uh, WE'LL SEE. WE JUST WANT FAIRNESS.
5: We have reached out to Google at CNBC to see, uh, get their side of this story. No no response yet uh, from Google, Melissa, but I can tell you that I've also asked the White House uh, over the past day and a half or so, since the president said that uh, he would be taking a look at Google, that we also saw some of the top White House officials here, Sarah Sanders, Larry Kudlow, and others saying that the White House would be looking at Google in terms of the possibility of regulation. I've asked them uh, consistently now over the past day and a half for who specifically is going to be looking into that, what agencies might be taking action, what specific action uh, has been taken against Google or is contemplated against Google, and just no answers forthcoming from this White House uh, so far in terms of the specific policy action against the company. But we can see rhetorical action against the company is ongoing with the president's comment today, and now this uh, video posted to Twitter attacking Google for, as the president says, uh, promoting President Obama's State of the Union speeches, but not promoting his own State of the Union speeches. Are you, hearing,
0: are you hearing any rumblings from the con- congressional side, Amen, as to whether or not they might be holding hearings? I mean, they're holding hearings, I believe, next week with some top tech executives. This is not scheduled to be the topic, nor is Google sent, or Alphabet sending its CEO like uh, Twitter is or, or its COO as Facebook is. Uh, so there will only be an executive vice president on the Hill, even if this topic comes up. Well, this is um, going is to be the topic now, up, Melissa. Oh, yeah, you think so?
5: Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I think you're going to get a lot of Republicans up on Capitol Hill who are going to follow the president's lead on this and say that Google has been biased against conservatives. Uh, you know, conservatives made that point against what they called the mainstream media for years with some success with their base, and now you're seeing a similar strategy here being applied to the large technology giants. You saw a little bit of this during the 2016 presidential campaign, uh, but the president hammering it home now Uh, you you get the sense here uh, that Google is about to become the new NFL in terms of the company, uh, the big American giant that's uh, really in the president's crosshairs. So the question is, how will Google respond to that? How will lawmakers on Capitol Hill respond to that? And what, if any, action does the administration contemplate? And and just no answers to that right now from the administration. I've been talking to them consistently over the past 24, 48 hours trying to get an answer to it. it.
0: All right. Eamon, thank you. Eamon Javers reporting live from the White House. Okay, so here's here's a question. Uh, Google's secret sauce, its it's crown jewel of IP is its algorithm. It operates as a black box. We don't know exactly how it works by design. It's the algorithm that powers its core business. But that in and of itself, isn't it, is the problem. That nobody knows how it works. And so therefore, I don't care what side you're on, nobody can actually say there is no bias because they don't know how the thing works or that there is bias, because they don't know how the thing works.
4: Right, and this is an interpretation by the president. And, and you know what? I think the best part of what I heard Eamon say came at the very end when he talked about comparing this to the NFL. I mean, the president was so critical of the NFL last year, and actually, if you look at some of the numbers as we got through the year, the NFL started to come back, and you still look at some of the top programming of all of, all of last year, the NFL takes up the majority of that. So... Will it be something that could impact Google? I think it'd have a small impact, but I think the overall, uh, what we're seeing right now has been something we've seen played out in the past. When you go back to their earnings, I think this is a company, when you go to the fundamental side of the story and away from all this regulatory talk, this is a company that's been absolutely on fire. They've been killing it. Their growth is is there. Revenue growth is there. I don't think this is some. This is not a reason to sell Google if you're owning the stock.
3: I'm not on the side of the president, or not not on the side of the president. I'm on the side of investors here. Do investors really know what Google's algos are, or how they're going to be able to control the regulatory environment, and, and ultimately? So much of the value of this company is buried within just that, data, algorithms, and the quality of the management team to deal with this issue. Regulation is coming down the pike. We're going to be following the Europeans in GDPR, and Google's just begun to start answering these questions.
2: Yeah, mean listen, you know, Facebook is the most recent example. What did they do after they were attacked on a lot of different fronts? They had to talk about spending, and they were talk about reduced revenues from some of the activity that, that investors have become accustomed to. So the stock is still down 20% from its recent highs. Right. So that's likely to happen, like you say, Tim, one way or another. I think all these guys, and you know, but to your point about not selling it because the president's got them in their crosshairs, you could have said that over the last year and a half about Amazon, and Amazon we're talking about is an all-time high. Up 100%. Uh, so you know, you know. So to me, it doesn't seem like. Uh...
0: For Amazon, though, I mean, the, the U.S. post office, post office issue seemed to be a minor one. Um, but antitrust. The antitrust. But yeah, I mean, but, I mean the, the law didn't back up that case. For this, there is no law, and it's uncharted territory. And I think it is the unknown. Is how do you get Absolutely. your head around if Congress decides, or, or if there's some sort of regulation of an algorithm, um, or if Google has to open up in any way its algorithm? Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I don't know the that's, answer to that. I mean, that's I d- hard but as an to investor guy, do you feel yeah, like you know. could even know those answers, or you will ever know those answers? Yeah. And how do you value that company?
1: The market value. How do I value that company? I, I, it's, I, it's, you, it's a company so I, with probably the deepest and the widest moat, maybe in the world outside of potentially But should there be Amazon? a
0: discount? Because of the unknown. I, I, think,
1: I think, given these, everything we talked about, the company really then in the crosshairs becomes Facebook again. They're the ones that were infiltrated. It's a little subtle difference, but that is the inherent difference that, you know, people got into Facebook and they infiltrated the system and they influenced the way people think. That's not necessarily true with Google. I don't know what goes in the algorithms. I'll mention this so quickly. Lockheed Martin Boeing, when President Trump, be, when candidate Trump became President Trump, tweeted about it, that was a low for the stock same thing with Pfizer a couple months ago in my opinion the same thing will happen here with Google all
0: right uh, coming up on uh, we've got some breaking news uh, Canada's finance minister Christian Friedland is speaking have been right now
6: working very very intensively all afternoon uh, and you know that has uh, given more of a basis uh, for me and Ambassador Lighthizer to continue the conversation, and we're looking forward to that. And when we're done, I will come out and talk to you about about that conversation. Alors, un plaisir de vous voir, uh, et je vais exprimer mes sympathies pour uh, mes anciennes collègues journalistes parce qu'il est si si chaud ici. Uh, j'espère que tout va bien avec vous. Uh, comme j'ai dit uh, ce, cet après-midi, uh, nos fonctionnaires ont fait du Okay, we've been avec... listening
0: to uh, Christian Friedland, uh, who just stepped out. She had been in Washington God, uh, to could you translate trade talks. Of course I can. Actually, at the very when she dipped into French, she said course, I Mel wanted can. to say hello to my old colleagues um, in journalism, etc. Because she used to be with the FT. Anyway, getting <laughs> back to trade and whether or not there could be a resolution on NAFTA by this Friday. If that happens. Is that, a, is that clearly upside for the market? Of course. Uh,
1: if you have a, if, if, if on Friday you have everything's great with Canada, Trudeau and President Trump are arm-in-arm, arm, the market will absolutely go higher. But that doesn't necessarily mean that things will get done with the Chinese. That, to me, I mentioned it the other night. The Yankees beat the, the Orioles four games in a row. That was good. It all counts. But the team they have to beat is the Red Sox. Same thing here. It's great to deal with the Mexicans and the Canadians, but you've got to beat the Chinese. We haven't done it yet.
3: Mel, Jim Timote just wanted to <laughs> i am i am tim that's really yes. well done <laughs> thank you that's it that's all i got
0: all right coming up on fast <laughs> more trouble for tesla the stock in reverse today after chinese rival neo launches plans for a 1.3 billion dollar u.s ipo we've got a special report you're watching fast money on cnbc here's what else is coming up on fast
4: never give up never surrender except the bitcoin bears just might be surrendering But that could spell trouble for Bitcoin. A top trader will explain. Plus, smoking pretty much describes what shares of Tilray have been doing. But if you miss the move, Tim Seymour says there's another cannabis stock out there you can still buy. And he'll tell you what that is when Fast Money returns.
6: Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less.
0: Welcome back to Fast Money. America is hot for pot as the cannabis stocks continue to soar. Bob DiSani is at the New York Stock Exchange with all the details. Hi,
7: Bob. Hello, Melissa. Marijuana stocks have been riding a high lately. Some of the biggest cannabis names are up 60 to 80% in just eight trading sessions. And average volumes in these names in the last 30 days are up anywhere from 50% to more than 200%. Now, three big drivers are behind the rally. First, regulation. Second, deal news. Third, earnings. Canada announced it will legalize the recreational use of marijuana in October, and global companies are all abuzz to get in on that action. That's the main mover. In fact, global spending on legal cannabis is expected to grow from $9.5 billion in 2017 to $32 billion in 2020, up 230 percent. That's according to BDS Analytics. Now, big-name alcohol companies are looking to pair up With pot firms. So, two weeks ago, Constellation Brands said it was investing a record $4 billion in Canopy growth. It will now own roughly 40% of that company. That news lit a fire under other pot stocks like Afria, which is up about 80% since then. That's just one of many booze companies looking to catch a bid from pot growers. Molson Coors, for example, is joining forces with Hydropothecary to create cannabis drinks in Canada. And Diageo is reportedly in talks to make a weed play of its own. Tilray just scored a partnership with Nova Scotia Liquor. Tilray's earnings also lifted the broader pot space today. The company saw revenues nearly double from a year ago. And the Tilray CEO said he thinks we're getting a lot closer to legalizing pot in the U.S., And a lot of people realize, some say the US market would have the potential to be up to 10 times bigger than Canada. And finally, Google's search interest for the term pot stocks, you know we're going to throw this in, appears to be nearing a peak. Who knows? Pot may be even bigger than Bitcoin was at its height. Back to you, Melissa.
0: All right, Bob. Thanks. Bob Bisani, at the NYSC. Well, our resident cannabis king, Tim Seymour, has got the perfect recipe on how to choose the right pot stock for your portfolio. So he's going to go over. He's actually at the plasma. To break it down in a segment, we like to call The More You Know Pot. Tim.
3: Hey, Mel. And The More You Know has never been more important, as we talked about, this sector, which has been exploding. And, and I've reminded you that this is a new asset class. reminds me of investing in emerging markets where you see these massive liquidity flows and market cap that's not that great. So what do I think you should do when assessing the market now? Again, what's the company focus? What I mean by that is what, what part of the cannabis industry are they in? Are they in production? Are they in medical? Are they in both? Are they in the retail side? Do they just have a flashy storefront in California or New York and no earnings? Do they have uh, the ability to package made players? What, are they in the, if they're a U.S. company, are they in California? Are they in New York? Are they in other legal states? You have to think about the legislative environment, which strategy, which company focus is the most profitable. You have to assess that. Next, you have to look at the management team. And I really mean corporate governance. So I'm not just talking about companies uh, and how transparent they are at earnings. I'm talking about companies who are aligned with investors. At this point, if you're looking south of a billion dollars in the market cap, which is a lot of the investable market cap right now, you have a lot of companies that are made up of Multiple deals, convertible bond deals, ultimately cross-ownership holdings. I know it's difficult to sort through that, but you have to get the alignment of interest and where investors may be the last to be able to cash out. Finally, on valuation, we talk about this all the time because that's what most people know. How do you value cannabis stocks? Ultimately, it's some combination of a discounted cash flow model, DCF, and a price to sales, and that gives you a place to assess these companies. So let's talk about ultimately which ones look good, which maybe one that looks good here now and one which looks bad. So do we want to say yes or no? Ultimately, there's two stocks we could bring up right now to talk about. And we can bring them up right here. I want to talk about CanTrust, which is a billion-dollar market cap, trades in Toronto and trades in the pink sheets here and Kronos Group, which you know trades here on the NASDAQ. Ultimately, I'm going to say just say yes to CanTrust and just say no to Kronos. And here's why. Here's why No. It's not that this is a bad management team. I like their strategy. The valuation is ridiculous, and because it trades in the U.S., the valuation is even more ridiculous. Those U.S. stocks, like Canopy, like Kronos, have gotten an extra boost from being in the most liquid market in the world. Can't trust because they trade at roughly one-third of what these guys trade at. They have more capacity and funded capacity, and that, to me, on valuation with a very solid management team, at this stage, it hasn't run so much. That, to me, is a way I look at these companies. Back to you.
0: Anybody have a quick question? Because I
1: know we're we're heavy tonight, very heavy show. But we sort of brought this up last night. This Tilray reported yesterday nine and a half billion, a nine and a half million dollars in revenues. Yep, they're closing in now on a six billion dollar company. Uh, is that how ridiculous things are? Are they just going to basically grow into that valuation?
3: Yeah, look, I, I think that valuation is very tough to trade out of, even with international opportunities, which doesn't mean that they won't. And it doesn't mean that, obviously, you have to assume that this marketplace is a global one for Tilray. But again, first U.S. IPO, a lot of froth in the space right now. Great management team, great strategy, great backers, but um, not a name I'd be buying today.
0: Time to vote. Buying or selling Tim's top pick can trust. Pete Nigerian what do you say? I'm
4: buying. I, I'm buying what Tim's talking about with can't trust. And I like the fact I like the Canadian side of this thing, Tim. And I, I think there's a lot of different reasons right now why the U.S. stocks are in front of that. But I like that name a lot.
0: Dan.
2: Yeah, I can trust Tim here because I know he's been doing a lot of work in vetting these companies. Um, I think the most interesting thing to me about it is is if U.S. Uh, federal approval comes sooner than later, that it could be ten times the market of Canada.
3: At least.
6: That
2: sounds interesting. At least. Yeah. Okay. You know, in match game 74, I love the show. Charles Nelson Riley,
1: he, he was the oh. last guy, and everyone—he he always messed the game Did you up. Just
0: say we were heavy. You just speed it up.
1: And I, I, I messed the game up. <laughs> I said cannabis GWPH Mel. I didn't give you the one, but if I'm a space, so I was in the cannabis space, I power pitched it. So I like I'm that. Going. All
0: right, two buys and, and another. I don't know what. Two buys and another here on the desk, but we do want to hear from you at home. <laughs> Are you hot on Tim's can't trust idea? You can vote. It, it, we only have a yes or no. You can't put in another. So yes or no, the results later on in the show. From cannabis to crypto, Bitcoin rallying 9% in the last week. One of Wall Street's top crypto traders says 10,000 could be next. He will be here when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. There could be more trouble ahead for Tesla as a big Chinese competitor gears up for its own IPO. Uh, Phil LeBeau is breaking it down in Chicago. Hey, Phil.
8: Yeah, Melissa, this would be an interesting IPO by the company known as NEO, which is a Chinese based automaker. NEO has filed the paperwork to list its shares on the New York Stock Exchange, hoping to raise about $1.5 billion with shares priced between $625 and $825 when they come to market. NEO is getting a lot of attention because, A, it's based in China, makes electric vehicles, and has designs on making a big splash when it comes to luxury electric vehicles in the world's largest electric vehicle market. Hmm, sounds like it would be some competition for Tesla. Keep in mind, Neo is just starting to deliver vehicles, and it has 16,000 reservations, but it's nowhere close to being a true threat to Tesla at this point. Nonetheless, shares of Tesla under a little bit of pressure today, as Investors digest what this might mean for the future of Tesla in China. And speaking of Tesla and CEO Elon Musk, despite all the controversy about how he tweets, who he tweets at, what he has put out on Twitter, he is once again making news on Twitter. Remember, it was just a few weeks ago when he referred to one of the people helping rescue those kids trapped in a cave as Peto guy." Well, that person threatened legal actions against Elon Musk. That led to Elon Musk issuing an apology. Yesterday, he was asked about it. Elon Musk said, you don't think that it's strange he hasn't sued me? He was offered free legal services. By the way, the gentleman who was referred to as Peto Guy has told the uh, press over in England that he is withholding comment on these latest comments from Elon Musk and whether or not he may take Elon Musk to court. But once again, Elon Musk and Twitter making news. Melissa, back to you.
0: All right, Phil, thank you. Phil About in Chicago. This is not why Tesla wants to be in the news, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't care what side you're on. This is not the kind of publicity the company wants. Shareholders should not want this either.
4: No, and, and you know, I think everybody would wish that that, that we start stop seeing Elon as much on Twitter. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of different people we could t- point fingers at to say we wish they weren't on Twitter quite as much. But you know, it, it's just one of these interesting things because of the private thing, and then now then some of the criticisms lately. I mean, it would be great. I like a lot a lot of the things that Elon Musk is doing, but he's got competition in front of him. He needs to focus on. Tesla, the company itself.
0: Well, this competition, too, is coming We're, now. I mean, yeah, Neo this is, is going to list here the New York Stock, not here, but here in New York at yeah, the yep, New York Stock yeah. Exchange. This is a pure play EV company that investors in China, could the the biggest, theoretically yep. buy instead of Tesla.
3: That's why this is important. I mean, and by the way, there's a lot of comparisons between the two companies. They're not profitable. Um, They 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 actually have made you know they've made somewhere close to their delivery schedule. But the bottom line is, China is certainly one of the big EV destinations for Tesla. Um, These guys have a car that's about sixty-eight thousand dollars, which is significantly cheaper than the Model X. I think it's real competition. There is competition is my point.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think one of the reasons that Tesla has a $52 billion market cap is the scarcity value. There's so few pure plays, like you say, so you can talk about what Ford or GM or some of the Germans are doing, but there's no way to really isolate it. So this gives U.S. investors the opportunity to do that, likely with a lot less fanfare than Elon's doing. Um, You know, listen, at the end of the day, Elon does have to you really shut his mouth or shut his fingers or something like that. And I think investors can really start to focus on their execution and how they get to 5,000 Model 3s, um, you know, a month. I I just don't know if that's going to happen anytime. seems, you know, it's interesting. They
1: were executing. I mean, the stock went from basically 285, 290 to 350. It was doing just fine until he put that tweet out about funding secured. Now, again, I thought when he tweeted it, he had it, which is why I thought the stock would continue to run to 420. So I was wrong, and here we are at 305. But what does it mean in terms of the stock? Well, that 280 level is right back in the crosshairs, and now he's p- positioned himself where he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt anymore. And if he does a secondary, maybe it won't trade as well as it traded the last four or five secondaries. So to me, it's still a no-man's here's land. A, here's
0: a quick question. If the, stu- if, if the company, when it reports in October, beats expectations, does the stock rally? I think so. Or is it is it
4: muted? I, I, I think so. I, I think people okay. are, right now they're All gauging right. it off of that. I'm yeah. not even sure that's the right way to gauge it, but I think that there are investors out there doing that, yeah.
0: Coming up, Bitcoin breaking back above 7,000 this week. A shorts on the crypto tumble. And one Bitcoin bull says 10K could be next. He'll be here. Plus, it's a bird, it's a plane. Nope, it's just the surging stock. Right here, up nearly 140% this year, and the traders think it could go even higher. Do you know what it is? We'll tell you when Fast Money returns it is a plane nope it's just jack dorsey in a super square the payment stock soaring six percent today hitting an all-time high after guggenheim raised its price target on the stock to 100 bucks called swear it's new best idea shares are up nearly 150 percent this year can you still buy it
2: here, Dan? Well, stocks that go to 85 from 5 usually go to 100, especially when a lot of firms are putting a $100 price target on it. I mean, this and there's no valuation support here. I think what's most important to remember that this is a company that's got – we're expected to have uh, $1.5 billion in sales this year. That's growing 30% a year for, like, the next few years. So if you believe in that sort of revenue growth and the the, the size of the pie they have in mobile payments, could the stock go up another 15 bucks? Sure. What do you say, Pete?
4: You know, I, I, I like the name. I think it does go to 100, but I still think PayPal's a better buy right now. I just huh? look at valuations. I look at these two companies, and I'm like, ah, oh, there's some comparisons there that make some sense. And actually, PayPal makes a lot more sense, I think.
0: All right. Well, there's something else that has sent Square soaring this year, and that's Bitcoin. As Bitcoin rallies back to 7,000, there are signs in the market that many Bitcoin shorts could be waving the white flag. Bob Pisani's pulling a twofer for us tonight. Let's head back to the NYC. Hey, Bob.
7: Always a pleasure to be with you, Melissa. Bitcoin has rallied nearly 10% in the last week, though it was down slightly. Today, now, What's behind this rally, the, the CBOE Bitcoin futures have had a modest decline in Bitcoin short positions, though the more widely traded CME Bitcoin futures have not. Bitcoin has successfully held near 6,000 several times this year, and much of this is likely a technical bounce we're seeing. Now here's a bit of good news for Bitcoin enthusiasts, more volume. Even as Bitcoin prices have plunged in the last couple of months, while trading volumes on spot markets like Coinbase for recently, for example, have been relatively relatively flat for a few months. About 11,000 bitcoins a day is typical. Daily futures volumes on the CME have doubled from 15,000 bitcoin equivalents to about 30,000. That's doubling bitcoin equivalents in the last two months. A rival contract at the CBO, CBOE has been relatively flat at about 5,000 bitcoin equivalents a day. So why is this CME suddenly getting more volume. It's likely more institutions are plugged into the CME now and allowing some form of Bitcoin futures trading. Some may also prefer the settlement method the CME uses. So what's important here is that the increase in futures volume on the CME has occurred while Bitcoin went from 6,000 in June to over 8,000 in July, and then all the way back down to about 6,000. It means that at least some traders are perfectly willing to trade Bitcoin futures on the way up And also, on the way down, seems like a more active market out there. Back to you, Melissa.
0: All right, Bob. Thanks. Bob Pisani at the NYSE. So what exactly is behind this rally? Can the cryptocurrency finally break out? Michael Morrow is the CEO of Genesis Global Trading and of Genesis Capital, one of the largest crypto traders on the street. He's uh, got the answers for us, hopefully. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Why do you think Bitcoin has gone above 7,000 currently holding it?
6: I think the biggest thing in the news that sort of happened last week was that, uh, as you recall, about a week ago, the SEC reject nine different Bitcoin ETFs. And I think days leading up to the rejection, you saw a rising in the short interest in Bitcoin across the exchanges. And we also saw that increase in lending activity through Genesis Capital where folks were taking out loans for the purpose of shorting. Um, Once the news broke about the SEC rejection and the price actually held – Um, We didn't see the 5, 10, 15% sell off that you've seen in previous rejections, and that the technicals that at right around the 5,800, 5,900 levels held. So I think the bears have realized that they've run out of steam. What we also saw on the spot trading side is right around the 6K level, very few sellers. All right. Um, So so you think we're going to
0: hold 7,000, what brings us to, because your call is the next stop would be 10,000, what brings us to that
6: that level? What's that catalyst? I think the number one thing that's going to have to happen um, is slow and steady growth. Um, And as Bob mentioned earlier in just a segment before, is volume. What you need to see is the less violent moves of 5% up, 10% up, and a slow and steady growth across the exchanges. What I also think is important is that I believe the market now understands that the SEC's ETF approval isn't anytime soon. So I think that the market sentiment regarding the product and the approval process is now far more muted, which I think is a healthier outlook for the next 12 months.
2: Hey, so, Michael, let me ask you this. If you look at the chart of Bitcoin since the highs in December, we've seen a series of lower highs over the, you know, and and, and so, yes, we've held 6,000 numerous mm-hmm. times this year. Do you think they're just sellers that live above because when they get back to those prior highs, the HODL thing just doesn't? exist anymore in 2018, and therefore that's one of the reasons why we have not been able to make a, series, a new high in 2018 from the prior.
6: What I think is interesting is every single time we get a pop in Bitcoin price, the first thing that happens are sellers. So it's folks who manage to sort of scoop up the dip and are selling at the next pop. And so folks that managed to buy at 6,6100 in the last two weeks um, were sellers in the last 24 hours. So the question is, are the bulls here to stay? We haven't really seen the strong buy side demand yet coming in, even though there have been sell side interest in the last 24 hours. So I think the question ultimately is, is the market going to head back down to the 6K level simply because the bulls are still waiting to see is the 7K really going to hold, um, and then see where we go from here?
0: What's your feeling? In ter- what are you seeing in terms of, of orders? I mean, are you sensing? You mentioned that in the past 24 hours, mm-hmm. short interest has climbed. I mean, if if this rally up through 7,000 was fueled by short covering. Yes. Um, some might say, well, you know, the shorts are going to come back and reload.
6: I think that's ultimately the question. Whether the real short game is down from 7 down to 6, sure, there's 15% kind of baked in there, but is that really kind of enough ultimately to kind of get this done? And then the question is, where are the bulls? Are they now on the sidelines? Or wh- if the 7K level holds, say for the next week, next two weeks, the bulls will 100% be back. Whether we're more comfortable that the lows for the year are in and that we are likely more likely to see 10K rather than 5. <laughs>
0: So that's a level, in your view, that Bitcoin has to defend. It's got to defend 7,000 for about the next week Mm -hmm. in order for you to be convinced that the bull case is there, that the bulls will step back in. I
6: think the key level is 7,150, to be more exact. Um, But yes, if we can hold that next week, I do believe that we will see a sentiment turnaround in the marketplace.
0: All right. Michael, thank you. Great to have you with us. Michael Morrow of Genesis.
3: Well, pretty interesting. Look, no matter what you want to say about efficacy, proof of concept, existential, 6,000 has been a key level, and it's largely held, I mean, give or take. And 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 I think Dan's also been the right by saying, look, until you really find a bottom, you don't have a bottom, and we don't know that. Um, I, I, ultimately, I do think it, what's interesting is Mike said no one was expecting the SEC to come through. Didn't sound like he's expecting them to come through any time, and yet that is the catalyst that everybody needs.
2: Yeah, so the most important takeaway I have is that we need to get back towards that prior high from July, which is about 8500 And once they do that, then that's the first time in 2018 we have made a close above a prior high, okay? Oh. And that, to me, would maybe cause some some bulls to get back in rather than shorts to cover.
0: All right. Still ahead. Check out shares of Amazon just pennies away. Pennies away from breaking mm. through 2000 in the after-hours session. That move helps some savvy traders make 10 times their money in the stock. How do they do it? We will explain right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earlier today, we took to Twitter to ask you all whether Amazon will hit a record 2,000 by the end of the week. We should have said end of the day. 1,600 people voted, and the results were nearly split. 56% of you saying yes, 44% saying no. Some of those people may have been options traders who made a killing today buying call options in Amazon. Dan's over at the plaza to break it down. Hey, Dan.
2: Yeah, so option volume exploded, particularly call volume today. In Amazon, it was 2.5 times average daily volume. The most active strike were the August 31st week weekly 2,000 calls. Like Mel said, you know, they walked in there, saw our tweet, and they kept on going with this thing. Um, 18,000 of them traded today. Most of them bought. There was only 1,400 of open interest coming into the day. They traded on an average of $7. They traded as low as $0.90. Cents. They traded as high as 13 and a half bucks. And I just want to kind of show you a little bit of the price action here. When you look at this, this is the August 31st, 2,000 call since it was listed in July. Look at this price action to the Uh, today to the moon here and then if we go and we just want to kind of look at how this stock was trading today this was just a steady all day long here closed very much near the highs just like those options did that expire on the 31st on friday's close and just one last point i mean we talked a lot about amazon earlier today i mean this stock you know was struggling with a thousand last summer last fall and now we're here we are at two thousand i think one reason traders are kind of playing these weekly options is that uh, you know there was a lot of open interest at these round numbers and stocks tend to move towards them and this is one of the best stories in the market right now with a lot of momentum so if you get the direction right you're likely to get some really good leverage on owning calls in this situation.
4: Pete you saw this. I did and I think the most important thing and Dan I know you'd agree with this is the fact that how short term all the paper really was today when you really look at the calls the puts in the entire day It was very short-term, so people aren't going on in the future. They think this is going to happen now.
0: All right. Thanks for that, Dan. For more options, action check out the full show Friday, 530 p.m. Eastern Time. And also, be sure to tune in to CNBC tomorrow, where our own Becky Quick will be sitting down with the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, on Squawk Alley. What does he think about Amazon? Tune in 11 a.m. Eastern Time tomorrow. Find out. You won't want to miss it. All right. Up next, we got the final trades. Amazon 2K may happen overnight mm. in the after-hour session. Right now, Amazon's at 19.9977. We are so Hello, close Dolly. 83. Yeah, so we'll be watching this. Dolly. All right. So um, Tim did a pitch. <laughs> America's hot for pot, but they are not mm. hot for Tim's pot pick. Can trust? Perhaps Tim oh. sold himself with the melodious sounds of Peter, Paul, and Mary's classic, "Puff the Magic Dragon." Oh, and a nice without. change
3: for tonight. As yeah, I learned nice. recently.
0: No Golden Tony Pot. Braxton,
3: but Peter Paul <laughs> right. and Mary pops
4: the magic. <laughs> Time Brad. for the
0: final trade, Pete.
4: Vince McMahon turns out to be pretty brilliant. Keep an eye on WWE. It's going higher. Giddy up.
0: Tim.
3: The message tonight in cannabis was diversification, and this doesn't run forever, so do
2: your homework. Dan. You know how I didn't answer your question you said there's one stock to buy?
0: Yeah, I, I kinda you often with, don't.
2: Listen, let me tell you something. You guys have all been right on this rotation. JP Morgan, if the market's gonna keep going there, it's gonna pay you catch up to be above 120.
1: I stand. Wow. I don't even think Peter Paul and Mary like Peter Paul and There's so this is this is insulting.
0: Why is it? To making my ears bleed. It's a classic. This is worse
1: than that Tony Braxton. What's it all about? What is it I thought it was the for the Dragon. cartoon,
0: but apparently it has deeper meaning. Ooh. Anyway.
1: Marathon Oil was initiated $25 price target.
0: That does it for us. Thanks so much for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money starts now. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.